0: Welcome to the mental health multiverse. We're your hosts HB and LB. We'll be breaking down some of our favorite movies and TV shows as they relate to mental health, self-healing, and overall wellness, while also breaking stigmas, shedding light on misinterpretations, and helping you understand yourself a little better.
1: If you're also on a healing journey and enjoy pop culture, stick around. Hello, friends. Welcome back to MHM we hope you had an amazing summer um and we're so excited to, to be back with with you with our friends and with today's amazing
0: special guest
1: lindley king
0: woo yay so um so today as your like opener back your first episode post break we are talking about bell from beauty and the beast and i thought who better to have on talking about bell than lindalee key who is a new york-based actress content creator and award-winning cosplayer who might be best known for her viral conversation with brendan fraser on tiktok uh, so uh cool. yes the uh what did he say to you like uh yes something ma'am. Shucks, ma'am shucks ma'am
2: i think that's still my twitter name is Lindley uh shucks
0: ma'am key uh i love it <laughs> uh but i met i met linley online and we have become dear friends thanks to the cosplay community she taught herself how to sew during lockdown and i am absolutely gobsmacked by her talent one of her most notable handmade pieces is a crossover from Belle from Beauty and the Beast with Claire Fraser from Outlander, who she calls, or she calls that cosplay Bonnie and the Beast, which is very creative, and um, <laughs> and and so that combined with her musical theater background, or why I asked her to be our guest, get it, be our guest for the Belle episode <laughs> of MHM.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um.
0: Anyway, so, Lindley, <laughs> we're going to put you on the spot right away. Right away love. with a brief synopsis of Beauty and the Beast. All right. So the brief synopsis that
2: I can come up with for Beauty and the Beast is Beauty and the Beast tells the story of Belle. She lives in a very small town with her father and is sort of an outcast because no one really gets her. No one's like her. Um, Her father goes off and ends up in the clutches of a terrible beast in an enchanted castle. And she offers herself. She's like, let me take his place. The Beast says yes, and she discovers this enchanted castle full of talking objects and a beast who is a prince in disguise, but that prince in disguise has to learn to love and be loved by somebody else in order to break his curse. Hijinks and musical numbers ensue, romance, a very buff villain with a fantastic musical number <laughs> happens yes. and that without spoiling that's beauty and the beast
0: all right without spoiling everyone just without so you know, spoiling a movie real... that
2: came out in 1991 <laughs> say,
0: there will be spoilers in this episode in case you were with pause us. now
1: go watch the <laughs> movie sure. if you haven't already and then and then come back um and for people who aren't watching on youtube i just have to throw in that we have some Dress up, cosplaying going on. Lindley's wearing <laughs> her beautiful bell costume. I'm wearing like a cheap one I got off Amazon from. But a... it's still so pretty. Thank you. I really love the bow. That's my favorite part. you um, love I a actually bow didn't... moment. I got.
2: It's hard to see with my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Your bow. I wore this costume.
1: Thank you. I wore this costume as part of a a couple's costume with my boyfriend, and he was a taco, and we were Taco Bell.
2: So. Oh my gosh. That's yes. amazing. That is that, that is Pete Couple's costume. <laughs> yes.
0: And, Lindley, yours is handmade, correct? Yes, yours is yes. handmade, though.
1: This,
2: technically, the blouse is from Target, but the vest, I'm not wearing, like, the petticoat and the bottoms right now, but this is handmade. Um, it was part of a sew-along with our shield maiden. And I was like, you know what? I'll just turn this into Belle. And here we are. It's amazing. Wow. It's
1: so good. Wow. I'm so impressed. I, I wish I could so, but I don't know how. Anyway, thank you for that beautiful synopsis. Um, Again, if you haven't seen it, go watch it because while the synopsis was spoiler free, we will be talking spoilers today. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which if so, you haven't seen Beauty and the Beast yet, what are you doing with your life? Well, you got to get on that.
1: What the heck? The animation, I will say when I rewatched it for the first time in a very, very long time, I was kind of mm. blown away by the animation. I don't remember it being, it's stunning. I don't remember it being so beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It was really, really good.
2: The the colors and just the artistry of it. I mean, there's a reason why it was the first animated movie to be nominated, not just for best animated feature, but for best movie, best film Mm -hmm. at the Oscars.
1: Uh Like it was the
2: first to ever do that.
1: Wow. Oh yeah. That is amazing. That makes sense. It's really good. So like you both said, this movie came out in 1991. I did not see it in theaters. I don't remember the first time I saw it. But Lindley, what about you? Do you remember the first time you saw the movie? I don't don't exactly remember the first time I saw it because it
2: came out just a couple months before I was born. So um, I, I believe it came out in the summer of 1991. I was born in October of 1991. But it was... We had the VHS growing up and I just attached myself to this movie and to Mm. Belle ever since i was very little the the two movies i think i told heather this the two movies that would like calm me down if i was upset as like a little little kid were beauty and the beast and beetlejuice and that is all you need to know about my personality (laughs) i love it that's amazing <laughs> so it was just it was just always a part of my life and I just I've always loved
0: it Aww. yeah that's really, sweet. that's really sweet I don't remember the first time I saw it either I was I being the eldest here I was I was like two when it came out or like one or two but um I like again like It was just heavily in the rotation as a child like all the time loved it i i do think it's like one of the more speaking like since we've recently done some of the older films like i think it's one of the more entertaining like there's a lot that happens although it is still very dark like there's a lot of of dark in it as well which i was like you know just Disney just keeps doing it. I I, I like to <laughs> we like to pretend that Disney is like sunshine and rainbows, but it's like it's pretty heavy and dark like most of the time. So I don't know yeah. why that's like though that's like an association is like oh Disney let's paint everything happy. It's like no 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 we talk uh, like Disney is pure like trauma and then <laughs> a character get through it like that's basically <laughs> what Disney is.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong at all. <laughs> Um, No, that's a really good point. And especially, I think, with this movie, I didn't note, obviously, because I never watched this through the lens through which we are watching these movies, but I definitely noticed a theme of, like, post-trauma and, like, how, how, like, hardships and traumatic events can shape a person. Like, I feel like Belle, Mm. and we'll get into this later, but I think Belle turned into, like, a very sweet, nurturing person after her mother passed. But, you know, Beast was, like, very hard and cruel and I think there was a lot of shame and anger and then I don't know what happened in Gaston's life but he's just a piece of shit anyway um... (laughs) (laughs) I do remember though well I don't remember the first time I watched the the animated movie I do remember seeing the live action in theaters and I loved it I I really really liked it I like that it addressed kind of all the plot holes people or issues people had with the animated movie, like the library, like why is there, or the bookstore, why is there a giant bookstore when she's the only person that reads? So they turned into this like <laughs> section of books in the, in the church or whatever.
0: I think that when it comes to like personal, personal experiences with this movie, like, I don't know that I am a Belle. Like, I don't, I I think that like a part of me wanted to identify as a Belle, but I, in terms of like Disney princess, right? Um, mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. she was one of the Disney princesses who had like dark hair. So I think for me, I was like, should I associate with this princess? Because <laughs> she, I could maybe kind of look like her. Um, but I think something about her that I couldn't really relate to, like something that I did relate to was like how people perceived her as odd. Mm-hmm. Um because I was also perceived as odd. So like that's what I related to. But I never understood why she was perceived as odd because she seemed so smart and beautiful to me that I was like, are people just like like it's not it didn't make sense to me. Like this the when I was younger, it just like it didn't compute. I was like, but like all the cool people look like Belle. So like I don't get it, you know? <laughs> like it just like didn't and and not to say that like looks equate to anything, but I will say that like young me didn't understand why she was an outcast and mm-hmm. I understood why I was an outcast and it was like okay I get it she like likes to read but like the the most uh, like the the most beloved like uh sought after man in town is in love with her so like how does that make her the weird one you know mm-hmm. so that was that's like one of my like I don't know where Belle fits for me in like in terms of like my favorite princesses that I could relate to because I feel like I had a like confusing relationship with her growing up it's like I wanted to relate to her and I loved her but I also didn't understand why everyone else treated her the way that they did so Mm -hmm. yeah see for similar reasons that's why
2: I attached myself to Belle as a kid because I grew up in a very small town very small North Carolina town and I grew up in a place where I didn't feel like I belonged um and I I i I was always a nerd growing up. and it wasn't cool to be nerdy back back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I remember <laughs> when Star Wars, The Phantom Menace came out, I was hyper fixating on that movie so much. And I brought this like cool little behind the scenes making book. And I loved it so much, and I was showing it around. And it ended up ended up being taken and buried in the playground. So I attached myself to Belle not only, you know, as a kid, I'm like, oh, she has brown hair. I have brown hair, too. That's what it started as. But as I got a little older and felt more and more of an outcast and wanting to leave and find a place where I felt like I belonged, I wanted that adventure in the great wide somewhere I that's for me. That is why I attached myself to Belle so much. Was that feeling of being an outcast and not feeling like I belonged?
0: That makes a lot of sense, and also that's really heartbreaking that that happened to you. People are so mean.
1: I like this. I like felt that in my gut. I was like, like, oh
0: my gosh, how
1: mean!
2: Kids, kids can be mean. Kids to other kids can be mean. Kids are scary.
1: Um. They are. They're, they're really scary. Um, and I think to both of your points, I think maybe that's something a lot of other people might relate to. I feel like I related to this in some way, too, is like being an outcast, but not really knowing why either, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, she was a little nerdy and she read books. And I guess that wasn't like the cool thing to do in town or something. But mm-hmm. again, like sh- sh- that that was like her only thing. Why does that make her? the weird one and I think there are a lot of people who are like I just really like this thing and I don't understand why people think it's weird but that's that's fine yeah. um and the only thing I can say to that is just like you do you if it makes you happy mm-hmm. and doesn't hurt anybody keep doing you
0: <laughs> yeah don't bury other children's books in a playground because that's cruel so if that's, that's so- what makes you yeah. happy you're a bad person yeah but- yeah, yeah no <laughs> don't do that that is yeah. weird and that's don't not do that <laughs> just let people yeah. like what they like exactly yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Um. So let's talk about our favorite things about Belle. I have like a long list, and I'm sure that Lindley does too. Uh. Uh. Well, I, guess I we probably all do. Yeah.
1: Go for it. Let's hear it.
0: Okay. So I like that she's bookish. Um. We get a bookish Disney princess. I think that's fun. Belle would um, definitely be on book talk.
2: Yes, she would definitely. Absolutely, be she would be the queen of
1: book talk. <laughs> Smash that follow button. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She'd be like, yeah. She'd have her. She'd like be holding the phone and like carting across on that like ladder that rolls across the things. Like, <laughs> oh,
1: you know, dream. I can
0: picture it now. I can picture it now. Um, I was listening to the there's lyrics. a cosplay
1: idea. Sorry, Lindley. Oh. there you go. There's someone some content get for you someone right get
0: me a ladder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
0: just gonna a happen. ladder. No, it's a ladder.
2: A ladder. <laughs> I will glue
0: wheels to it. We'll make it work. <laughs> Slide it across. Oh Let's God. go. Um, so I was listening to the lyrics of her, the song that introduces her. What is it called, Lindley? Her song, the song. Belle. It's just called Belle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like uh, the, the beauty, but a funny girl. Yeah, it's just called Belle. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> and so like the ways that other people describe her are funny girl, peculiar. And that's why I put in quotes. I was like, but she isn't really peculiar, but whatever. Um, so... Um, and what else so she's a beauty a beauty but a funny girl there you go um strange but special whatever that means (laughs) um (laughs) so she stands up for what um i think it's cute that she stands up for her father he's not crazy he's a genius right Mm -hmm. like you know she's supportive she's courageous she sacrifices herself for her father She's brave, which is something that Mrs. Potts says to her at some point. Um, she's charming. She charms Cogsworth and eventually charms the prince, uh, pff, the beast, the prince, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's a fighter. She fights the wolves. Um, and she's very kind, but also very playful, which I, like, I think these, this is like a list that makes me think like a well-rounded human being. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like not mm-hmm. just like a facade of like an ideal Right. Like she's kind. She's playful. She's brave. She's charming. She's sassy. She's got humor. Like she's got, she's got a lot to her that I think she's is a very like
1: multi dimensional character that I yes. feel like we haven't seen, especially since most recently we've talked about like Snow White. And have we talked about Sleeping Beauty yet? I don't Not remember. yet. We haven't talked about her yet. Just yeah. <laughs> Um. Anyway, just like the the older um generation of of princesses and heroines that were very much like I'm pretty and I sing well and that's my yeah. thing. But we got we've got Belle and she was like I read, I cook, I clean, I stand up for myself. And mm-hmm. I am a kind, compassionate, caring person. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think we started to get that with Ariel, where she wasn't mm. just a like a one dimensional be like, "Oh, I'm a pretty princess <laughs> um." And not saying that those other princesses aren't one dimensional, but you have with Ariel, you started to see more of like, oh, she's very curious. She's also very brave and going and seeking what she wants. So I always like to think that um, Ariel walked so that Belle could run. Just that walked. progression. Yeah, she yeah. walked. She <laughs> did end up walking. She slammed <laughs> so that Belle could run because we really see that progression of making a princess more than just. Pretty faces and pretty ball gowns. Like she is in of herself a fully fledged character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Do you have anything to add to the list? Yes.
2: So it's kind of going off one of the things that you were saying. Uh, Belle is a very kind and compassionate person, but she is not afraid to stand up for herself. Mm -hmm. one of my favorite examples Mm -hmm. is after the wolf attack when her and the beast like she's trying she's caring for him but she's also not backing down be like okay i ran away because you were being a jerk Mm -hmm. and like their little tiff back and forth of her not cowering away of her standing her ground and to her beliefs and being like look, this is why I did what I did. I'm not sorry for it. And I'm going to make you realize my opinion, but also I'm going to take care of you and thank you for, you know, saving my life. So that's that, that beautiful portrait of her character, of her kindness and her strength just in one scene. scene.
0: And I love it. Yeah.
1: I made a note of that one too, because I was like, I, I, I loved how, she was like, well, you shouldn't have done that. And he was like, well, you shouldn't have done this. And she's like, well, you shouldn't have yelled at me. And he was like, mm, okay. I, I, yeah, I concede. That's a good point. But also <laughs> you shouldn't have been in the West Wing. And she's like, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I, I made a note of that too, because he's like yelling at her. And mm-hmm. any, anytime anyone raises their voice at me, I like cry. So <laughs> I do love how strong she was in that moment? Um, And I do think it is, it is, a representation of how like rebellious she is in some kind of way I think yes. like her character is definitely breaking out of those gender norms or whatever like especially when Gaston comes and is trying to woo her and he's like you're gonna be my pretty little wife and we're gonna have eight or I don't know how many kids but we're gonna have kids and dogs and you're gonna cook and massage my feet mm-hmm. and she's like absolutely fucking not no thank you
2: Can we talk about <laughs> yeah. how iconic when when she's looking through the little door viewfinder and Gaston shows up, the look of disgust (laughs) in Belle's face is iconic.
1: Absolutely iconic. so good. Oh, it's so good.
2: And that's so real too. Because usually when you think of princess, you're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to deal with this. But Belle's like, oh gosh, no, not him. Yes. (laughs) I don't have time for him right now. Let's keep it going.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I do love how expressive she is and how she's not like polite and demure and like whatever she's very much just not a typical Disney heroine or princess and I think that's what I I also really like about I like about her very similarly to HB I love her love of books as for those not watching on <laughs> YouTube I have my bookshelves behind me and that's not even all of them um, and I think that's the main thing I related to was like if books are what made her weird than like I was weird and I loved it I loved reading Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I still do like it and I love that we have that representation in a in a Disney princess and someone so so cool I will say though my only not my only but one of my perks is I'm really tired of the trope of an effortlessly beautiful girl who is oblivious to her own beauty but I do think it is more of a commentary on her beautiful heart and personality, and yet I'm really tired of the whole, like, oh, she's so beautiful that she doesn't see it, but whatever. Anyway, side note. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I could see that argument, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm I do you. love her. I love her. I love... I really like this movie. I, I, I can't wait to get, and I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but the whole discussion about
0: Stockholm Syndrome uh, or oh. something that wait I feel let's like talk that. about something else first we'll get there. <laughs> okay we'll get there okay. we'll get there I, I do think we should get there but first I have a question about the timeline that I need y'all mm. to help me okay before we get into like themes and all that kind of stuff like I am very confused and my notes are very like intermittent like shorthand so I don't even remember what I meant sometimes when I'm writing but in the spell which maybe Lindley you know I don't know but like in mm-hmm. the spell it says something about like the rose will run out by his 21st year. Mm-hmm. So like, is that the 24, 20- like his, his, he's turning, the beast is turning 21. The prince is turning 21. I think, I
2: think in the 1991 version, I think yes. it, because there's a, there's a whole lore about this. Okay. Oh. I I think in the animated Disney canon, It is his 21st birthday, because if you go back and watch um, Beauty and the Beastly Enchanted Christmas, you get flashbacks to when the spell, when the curse was put upon him. And he was kind of, he was pretty young. Like, he wasn't an adult. So there's, there's a whole argument about how wrong it was that like, oh, he's just a kid. He had time to learn. Like, why did you curse a kid? And I know they tried to remedy that in the live action version to where like there's not a strict timeline of when the rose, when the all the petals were going to fall. They just say until the last petal falls. They don't mm-hmm. say like it's going to fall on his 21st birthday. But as far as the animated canon, I think it is by the time the... Prince or the beast turns twenty-one.
0: Okay, because then my other question is: in the song "Be Our Guest," I think Lumiere says that they've been ten years in these. Yep. Like, you know. Oh yeah,
1: he says ten years we've been rusting, been rusting. doing so Beating much, so much more, than, more than, dusting. than dusting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm that. like, was the
2: beast ten? Like, that is what is it in? that is what is implied is because that-
0: in the stained glass at the beginning of the movie when they're talking about the curse the beast he looks is shown like an adult. As an adult yeah yeah so like there- i thought he
1: was 18 or something
0: yeah like mm-hmm. it's very mm. confusing to me so i think there's- it's i think yeah. that's messy messy job disney <laughs> messy job but i yeah there's people out there who i guess like make it make sense <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I I'm I'm on the magic. camp of like it's it's fantasy, just go with it.
0: Yeah. It's magic.
1: Yeah, it's it's
0: magic. Disney magic. Or if we wanna
1: get if we wanna get super deep into it, it's a representation or a commentary on how bad things happen to children and they aren't given the opportunity to learn. And then they have to go on this journey as an adult to learn the things that they should have could have learned as a child had they been been given a quote-unquote healthy functional normal childhood
2: again for the
1: people in the back (laughs) there you go lb is (laughs) whichever camp whichever camp you want to be in whether it's (laughs) yeah he was 10 and a bad thing happened to him or he's older and we're just going to kind of ignore the animated lore whichever one you can take Take that and I, I kind of <laughs> like the
2: idea of like maybe time is, you know, we got some Doctor Who wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe you know, the part of the enchantment was that the years kind of stretched a little bit for those in the castle, maybe not so much in the village, or you know, you could be like in the live action version where time just kind of froze. For mm-hmm. not only the people in the castle but also the people like in the village who just completely forgot about everyone in the castle so mm-hmm. i think it's open to interpretation
1: yeah whatever you want to believe about the timeline <laughs>
0: yes
2: <laughs> it is correct get the tva
0: on this we gotta figure <laughs> it out okay uh, well thank you thank you for helping with that because i was like You know, when you're a kid, you don't listen to that. But like obviously we were listening to it as as adults and I was like, This doesn't math. Math is not (laughs) mathing. I need that clip as
1: like (laughs) I need yeah, I need that clip that sound on like everything when I can't figure something out. The math isn't (laughs) math. I love it. With the little dance. Um the little dance too.
0: Yeah, with that with that, let's dive head first. (laughs) Stockholm syndrome <laughs> oh that was so funny Lily, well, it,
1: it seems like what I'm hearing is you have some some thoughts and feelings about about that I have thoughts let's go let's Wait, go should we
0: define Stockholm syndrome for anyone listening who doesn't know I mean I'm sure that everybody does right mm-hmm. but um I don't know the clinical definition my my definition is like a cap Someone who has been held captive beat falling in love with their captor. Yeah, that's my and and I think now there's even debates about
2: how Stockholm syndrome isn't really a thing. Like Ah. it was just some like they came up with it to explain something, but there are now debates on whether or not Stockholm syndrome is actually you know a viable thing. Um, Mm -hmm. As for the case of Beauty and the Beast, it's not. It's not Stockholm Syndrome, guys.
1: that's what <sighs> i I agree. i I was re-watching it, and I was like, I can see how, at a first glance, like if you just took the the plot points of the thing, like, yeah, she gets captured, they fall in love. Yes. I can see how that would be like, maybe. <laughs> but if you actually watch the thing, there are so many moments where, like, like you just see them forming a a connection and he's not like because so (laughs) google says stockholm syndrome is a coping mechanism to a captive or abusive situation people develop positive feelings toward their captors or abusers over time this condition applies to situations including child abuse coach athlete abuse relationships abuse and sex trafficking um but i feel like we don't like yes beast has a lot of anger and he has a lot of rage and he does like yell at her a lot but he's not like outrightly abusing her you know what Mm -hmm. I mean I just think he's reacting with his temper um but there are so many moments where they have a connection they really get to know each other and they genuinely like care for each other's well-being I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day and it wasn't ever because I I didn't know about how the Stockholm syndrome not actually maybe not being a thing anymore. But I know that there is a survival response called feigning. You know, we have fight, mm-hmm. flight, freeze, fawn, and feign. And I think maybe that's where Stockholm syndrome is now being boiled down into is like feign or fawning, where mm-hmm. in order to survive in abusive situations or get out of it, you fawn and you like feign to to survive. I feel yeah. like I said that same phrase so many times in that sentence but that's okay um anyway yes continue why do you not think it's um it's not stockholm syndrome
2: for me it comes down to bell and i i encourage people uh Lindsay ellis has a wonderful video essay about this exact topic on youtube go watch it she's amazing it's such a great video um yes uh so for me it comes down to bell and you know, we talked about her little squabble with the Beast in that one scene, and how she's like, she gets her opinion, so she fights back, but then when she is given the opportunity to leave, she leaves. Mm -hmm. Like, when Beast is like, you're free, you can go, she's like, okay, yes, I'm gonna go, because my father is in danger. Thank you. Peace out. So the fact that she still has that agency to leave is a for me is a big sign of it not being a Stockholm syndrome case. Yes, she goes back to help the beast, but it's not as it's not a oh, I feel guilty about leaving my captor. It's right. like, hey, I've seen this change in him and he's become someone not like I'm not necessarily like I love him, but he's done this kindness to me. I have seen such a huge change in him and he's in trouble and i want to help him Yeah, right yeah I, for me that's a big like that's why yeah. i don't think it's stockholm syndrome
1: it just highlights her kind and nurturing nature um yes. i think i think if they hadn't gotten married by the end there wouldn't have been that discussion or like mm-hmm. you know um but i and i feel like this is the same critique i had about princess and the frog i wish it didn't end with them getting married in like being so deep in love I wish it were just like he learned how to care for someone other than himself and also to accept love kind of like (laughs) kind of like that scene from Shit's Creek when Ted and I don't know if you guys have seen that show I love it but when Ted and Alexis first start dating and she like goes over to his house and he has the dogs there and she's like ew and so at breakfast the next day he like gives her a book and it's like how to care for something other than yourself but it was like a dog training (laughs) book or something (laughs) And so I kind of feel like I, I I would have if I could rewrite Beauty and the Beast, I think I would have gone more in that direction where it was less of like he needs to fall in like, kind of like Little Mermaid where they have to like fall in love and kiss and ah, within three days. I kind of wish it were more just like I want him to learn how to care for something other than himself, but also accept love that he is. Constantly freezing out because of the people, well, the people, the the furniture and the, the people who were turned into things <laughs> in his castle genuinely care about him and want to yeah. help him and want to take care of him. But he like, he's just so full of anger and rage at what, you know, his own, I don't know. Situation. Like, yeah. yeah, his own situation that he can't. And it, it is really heartbreaking and it is definitely something a lot of people may go through or experience when they go through trauma or some kind of hardship is like they can't see past outside of their own like little bubble and they can't see how their actions are affecting the people who care most about them you know Mm. and they react out of anger or or rage or whatever um so I thought that was like a really interesting commentary or like representation because I don't think that's something that gets talked a lot about like I think Especially in our podcast and especially on social media, we hear so much about like positive post-traumatic growth, but we don't really see or talk a lot about like the quote-unquote bad stuff. Not that I think Mm -hmm. it's necessarily bad. I think we all have our own journeys and we get to whatever points we get to, um, but I feel like we don't necessarily always talk about that, Um, and that's part of the stigma is like, oh, he's angry and he has a temper he is not dealing with his stuff appropriately and maybe it's just that he wasn't given the opportunity to express himself any other way you know yeah, anyway yeah. huge digression <laughs> yeah the the live action
2: goes into how the the beast wasn't raised in a very nurturing environment yes. like he mm-hmm. he had a mother who was very nurturing but when she died the king was very like cruel and hard and raised his son to be the same so when the beast became an adult it's no surprise that he acted and treated people the same way his father did probably because he was seeking that approval or you know wanting seeing that this was how kings should be and kings should act and if he was going to be a king or a ruler this is how you should be Um, definitely which is not healthy at all but he didn't (laughs) have that kind of system to tell him that is i think the mrs potts goes into how like yeah we were we were kind of complicit in it because we didn't say anything we didn't try to help or say like hey maybe be nice or yeah maybe your father yeah. isn't right and yeah. it's hard to in that situation it, it's it's sad that they blame themselves for that but also thinking of their situations like they're not royalty this is their job and you know they might be scared yeah, of you know it's like not really their to place the to say
1: something exactly yeah.
2: so it's like it, it, you can't, it's hard to put blame on someone for what is happening but what we can do is just learn and grow on yeah. on all sides
0: definitely yeah. yeah i think speaking to the case of it not being Stockholm Syndrome is also that like you see like those moments of growth and love between the two of them Mm -hmm. it's not just like her falling in love with him you see them both bend um and I think the moments where she falls in love with him are the moments in which she sees him softening yes um Mm -hmm. and I think that's also pretty important too is like the soft vulnerable moments are the moments when people will really get like those, that's when they get to see you, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I thought that was like really kind of beautiful as yeah. well.
1: Um, yeah. And I think it also
0: leads into a theme of like, of shame that the beast like has about his appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, he, there he's, he's got a lot of shame about what he looks like. And I know that he is a beast, but I think a lot of people, I think it's something that you can relate to. Um, Like, I think it's something that people can relate to is like having shame about the way that they look and that no one will ever love them because they have X, Y, Z thing that is quote unquote wrong with them. That Um, is so real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I think like holding on to that shame is not doing anyone any favors um, because the more we're able to release that shame and, and acknowledge like, Sure, I don't look like a Disney prince, right? <laughs> or a Disney princess. But that doesn't mean that that I am not worthy of love. Or that doesn't mean that I'm not enough. Um, yeah. And I think that can, like, tie into, obviously, like, body image and identity and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, yeah,
2: you yeah, know, it's like... Yeah, that's yeah.
0: something I am so
2: guilty of. I mean, th- thinking back of the scene where Beast is talking about this, it's like, she's so beautiful and just look at me yeah. I'm, I'm i'm a single girl in new york i'm on the apps it's exhausting <laughs> but like there are times where i have to stop myself be like i might like someone's profile or like someone's picture but i will you know i won't pursue it because i'm like okay look at them they're not going to be interested in someone like me um like i'm I so
1: guilty of yeah, yeah it's I the same
0: thing it's a
1: hard yeah. brain space to get out of yeah. Truly. Really. Yeah. Yeah. It, Yeah. And I think it, it obviously shame is a huge topic on a healing journey as well. Um, because I think Beast has a lot of unaddressed shame in that he thinks he is the bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is when you're able to say like, oh, I did a bad thing. But shame is saying, oh, I am the bad thing. And so I think his guilt maybe in cursing himself and in cursing his castle either didn't even turn into shame and maybe started out right away as shame considering especially in the live action like the kind of parenting he had growing up yeah. Um, and I think that a shift can happen when we're able to take the quote unquote bad thing and separate it from our identity and it's not I am the bad thing it's like this bad thing has happened and trying to separate those like personalizations. And if you, I mean, that's not to say you shouldn't take accountability when you do a bad thing because beast Mm -hmm. obviously did not, but being able to say like this bad thing has happened or I even did this bad thing, but it doesn't necessarily make me a bad person because I have the capacity resources capability to change it, to fix it, to take accountability and apologize and, and Mm -hmm remedy the situation okay. um but yeah shame like what you said Lindley shame is just a really in general just a really hard headspace to get out of especially when not only the internal voice is telling you you are the bad thing but external things may be telling you also you are a bad thing whether it yep. be society parents environment you know social media yeah. whatever it yeah. is um and it's, yeah. it's Dating really apps. hard dating dating apps apps. and like in media
2: too when media is telling you like you have to look a certain way and be a certain person in order to be loved in order to have a fairy tale romance and you look at yourself and be like i'm not that does that mean that i'm not worthy of that sort of love and that sort of fairy tale
1: yeah it's hard and that reminds me of something you said earlier about, about the shoulds, you know, Beast has a lot of like, a king should be this way, a prince should be, this, or look this way, um, act this way, right? Like in the live action, he's like taxing his his village so that he can have all the ornate and beautiful, extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of like the remedy or, or I don't want to say solution, but I can't think of a word right now. To shame is just like, rewriting and flipping the script flipping the script on the shoulds i think beast shows a lot of like the shoulds and i think gaston does too especially with the whole like i'm a big macho man and i'm a hunter and mm-hmm. look at how amazing i am and my capability to kill things and and provide yeah. for my possibly future wife or whatever but like and, and his obsession with bell i think is like the biggest should that like yeah i'm this amazing egotistical maniac who has to have the best of the best in everything? And because Belle is apparently the most beautiful woman in the village, I have to have her. And it's yeah. disgusting and gross. And I don't love it. But yeah. I do and think thinking it is, that
2: because of that, like like you she like, should I also, should have you, yeah. but you should also want me. Yeah. Exactly. Which is bleh. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that I think the shoulds can kind of um taint and and blur and just like make things really confusing and and muddy and i think being able to take stock of like the shoulds we have in our life that were either conditioned or because we don't like we're not born with these shoulds right like children don't have these ideas of what life should or shouldn't be like they just kind of take it as it comes um yeah. and i think we can learn a lot from children in that way even though they are very scary but <laughs> <laughs> I think we, as we have gotten older, we hear a lot of shoulds that we have internalized. And I think it's important to take stock of of those things and how they are currently affecting the compass of our life and seeing which ones we like, either which ones we like, or even like what empowering things we can take from the things we've learned. And then mm-hmm. like maybe put in the backseat or in our back pocket, the the not so great parts about those things. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. My note on, on shoulds. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Brilliant.
2: I have one more thing that ties back to the whole Stockholm Syndrome thing, and yeah. it goes back to kind of what we're talking about, how we're talking about the differences between the live action and the um, and the original animated version of Beauty and the Beast. One thing about the original Stockholm Syndrome case was the one of the things that happened was the people that were taken captive refused to testify against their captor. Because mm. I feel like they would, they they were pressured, like they would know what happen, would happen if they did testify. Something that I think is a major difference and a major change that I'm not quite a fan of from the animated to the live-action version is that in the animated version, Belle doesn't know a, what's going to happen when The Last Petal Falls. She knows that the rose has some importance. Mm. But in the live-action version, she is told, like, hey if the beast doesn't find anybody to love him, we're all screwed. So it's yeah. like this added pressure on Belle be like, if I don't fall in love with this guy, am I going to be implicit to like, whatever yeah. is going to happen to
1: these people? Yeah. But in the
2: animated version, it's it's so much stronger because it allows the relationship between the beast and Belle to be so much more organic, to not mm. have that pressure of what when the last petal falls something bad is going to happen like these people who were people are going to be objects and like a monster un- until you know kingdom come but yeah I, and i just feel like that is also a strong argument as to why this isn't stockholm syndrome
1: yeah i think from what we've talked about today what stockholm syndrome is and kind of looks like it just seems like there's a lot of fear like mm-hmm. it's not so much love so much as it is like fear and and using love as a disguise to stay safe and so that they don't get hurt um because going back to the scene you mentioned when after the wolf attack and b saves her and she's trying to clean him up and he's like yelling in her face and she's yelling back at him i feel like a a captive suffering from stockholm syndrome would not yell back at their captor. you know Uh, no
2: absolutely
1: (laughs) I mean, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is, but I would. I like to think it's it's not. And maybe that's just me hoping for the best in this movie because I do really like it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Based on everything we talked about today, I, I, I don't think. I don't think so. Anyway, anyway, I'm glad we had the discussion. Um, listeners, if you have a different opinion or you agree, I'd, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can drop them in the comments of wherever you find us or email us. Anyway, um, I think <laughs> I'm so good at this, guys. Tell us why uh, we're wrong. <laughs> I, I just really like to know how, like, keep... uh, <laughs> I really like knowing other people's perspectives, especially because, you know, like something we've mentioned in almost every episode of this podcast, nostalgia kind of clouds a lot of things. And so especially if we really liked something, we're going to have a bias toward it. And so yeah. I'd really like... I mean, I'll probably still like it, even if you tell me all the reasons why it is a Stockholm Syndrome story. And I'll be like, <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm still gonna watch it and I'm still gonna rep my bell, but that's fine. Um anyway, going back, go I keep going back to things because like you guys say so many things, and my brain's like, ah, yeah. Bing, bing. what you guys were talking about with Gaston's obsession. I think it's and then with, with the castle and beast being like, oh, we like I have to- we have to fall in love. It's so interesting the parallel. Or the contrast, or just the similarities in that we're just, mm-hmm. yes, Don is like Bell is the one because it serves me in some kind of selfish way, and Beast also, and the castle also kind of has that of like, oh, she's the one because it's gonna undo all of our all of our curses, um, and. I don't know. There's just something I can't really verbalize, which is really bad for a podcast. But I just thought (laughs) in my most recent watch through, that was like a really interesting similarity between the two, how they're both pursuing Belle. Well, I guess Beast wasn't necessarily pursuing at first, but how they both perceive her as like the one, you know, and just like, I just want to read books and have a good time. Please leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Let me live my own life. (laughs) <laughs> I know I know
2: but I, I, I mm-hmm. and yeah. it goes back to like just the difference between the two options yeah. <laughs> on and the beast where you're talking about how, how he's pursuing Belle to serve himself mm-hmm. and the beast could have easily done that he could have been like y- you need to stay here and love me to like free me mm-hmm. but in the end he learns that it's not all about him like yes it is a risk and it would have consequences but the action of him after bell sees that her father is in danger of him saying go you're free like it's him learning to truly care about someone other than himself
1: yeah Yeah.
2: and it shows his like his character growth his own strength and also just why is more attracted to the person Mm -hmm. who gives her her freedom and options instead of the person who's like you're gonna give me all these babies and rub my feet and you're gonna (laughs) like it
1: (laughs) but also i think on that same vein beast sees her for her like even gaston says like oh you're so weird but you're beautiful so marry me whereas beast is like i don't see like, because I think in the live action, he says something about how everyone in that village is stupid for thinking she's like weird and peculiar, right? Like, because he also has a a love of knowledge and learning and education, and he's also outcasted, right? So he's like, yeah. "Dude, I get it, and it it's it. weird and it sucks, but you are welcome here. Here, look at all these books you can read, and I'll help you carry them. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's you can a live in this library, yeah.
2: And it shows just like that connection in the in the Broadway version there's a, a scene where they're talk they're talking about this exact thing of the similarities mm-hmm. of feeling like they don't belong and bell says in the town where i come from the people think i'm odd so i know how you f- how it feels to be different and i know how lonely that mm. can be so it's mm-hmm. these two people who find themselves just feeling so alone and finding that camaraderie and connection with each other by finding someone who is going to see the goodness within themselves not just the outside not just their beauty but who they are as a person and who they are at heart yeah. i love
1: that and I ship it i, sh- I ship it <laughs> i ship it
0: hard i ship it
1: Wait, i love well, that
0: mm-hmm. yeah talking about shipping them this is like much much lighter so we're we're going here now um I am one of the, one of the people of the opinion that the beast, like, didn't need to turn back into the prince at the end. Like, he could have fully stayed the beast and that Belle would have still, like, loved him. In fact, this may have just been me, but when he turns into the prince, like, before she, like, recognizes him, she makes this face that's sort of like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> is this, is this
1: what I'm getting, uh- I liked you better as the prince. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how do we... Where's the enchantress to change you back?
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm going to save my opinion for my hot take. Okay, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I think Human Beast is the, the cutest Disney prince. Ooh. When he turned around with that Fabio hair and his like, flouncy blouse like it... half open, I'm like, oh. like Little oh. Little's like, What is this feeling so sudden and new? (laughs) So I am a staunch defender of human beast. I think he's hot.
0: He has potential. Some might say that he looks like uh, Brendan Fraser as Tarzan.
2: Oh my gosh! Everything makes so much sense. Everything about my entire life makes so much sense because. Human beast was the precursor to George of the Jungle, which was the precursor to Rick O'Connell. You have solved the mystery of my life here today.
1: <laughs> and we can end the podcast here.
0: <laughs> I'd mean a just, minute. Just say it. Just just say it. Just say it. Or yeah, I guess George of the Jungle. That's who it was, not Tarzan. But you know, yeah, you knew what I
2: meant. You knew what I meant. Although Tarzan is also he <laughs> Disney animated <laughs> men.
0: <laughs> See? You've got to type, Lindley. You've got to type.
2: (laughs) That's it's either it's either the like himbo George of the Jungle, Rick (laughs) O'Connell types, or the unfortunate like hot villain. Because I'm like, yeah, the Darkling does bad stuff, but also look at him <laughs> he's nice to look at we don't approve of any of his actions at all but you know he is nice to look at
1: oh my <laughs> so, god
2: so we love a hunky himbo and a hot villain that's that's it i love it that's so funny <laughs> except oh. guest on we don't like yeah i don't like us nah. no because yeah. he's just
1: a sexist asshole and we yeah, don't...
2: sometimes their personality just just like sometimes you can save them sometimes it's not worth it
1: Sometimes oh my god, it's not worth it. Oh man. <laughs> I I think Heather to your point, kind of like in Shrek when Fiona doesn't turn back into a human, that would have been kinda kind of sweet. I haven't watched The yeah. Enchanted Christmas. And if I have, it's been a really long time. So I feel like I need to rewatch that.
2: It's it doesn't help the case of those who think Beauty and the Beast is Stockholm Syndrome. Never mind. Cuz <laughs> at one point Bell does something like the beast told her not to do when he throws her back in a dungeon. Oh. But you watch it for bit Tim Curry and Bernadette Peters. We do. Sure. Yeah. That, I'm that, also curious about awesome. that
1: timeline cuz he's a beast still, but it's Christmas.
2: Yeah, it's it, it this was this was definitely just a you know, get that straight to DVD cash money. That Fair. did that Bob I no, it wasn't, it was Michael Eisner, loved doing. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's anyway,
2: we, we don't take the enchanted Christmas into that
1: much canon because it, it's the music is It good. just messes everything up. Yeah. Yeah. In anyway. yeah, a little bit. We will watch it. It's fine. We're just gonna <laughs> toss that out. Um I'm trying to think of other other themes that we've seen in this movie. I think we've touched on a lot of shame a little bit of identity um kindness love obsession like Gaston gives me like uh Joe Goldberg vibes from you it's like oh really no, gross, no. Right? right right and like trying to get rid of her father so he could yeah. be with her
2: <laughs> yeah my so brain cool. is like malfunctioning right now <laughs> we're breaking you For personal reasons, I can't watch you. So now I'm looking back and I'm like, oh no. Mm, That I just imagine Richard White's voice just coming up and be like, "Hello, you." Oh god. Oh
0: no. Well, speaking of though, what um what you were saying about uh like since this is a mental health podcast. Something, a word that they throw around a lot in the movie about Belle's father is crazy. And I just mm. think we should address that as well. Mm. Like, about mm-hmm. how everyone just consistently is calling him crazy. He's more like passionate, yeah, yeah. And and I just think it's a little, it's a little tough to hear like that word being thrown around in such a way. And I know it wasn't like as big of a well, especially
1: to- when they try to throw him in an insane asylum, yeah, yeah. by the crypt keeper. So-
0: literally so. exactly literally, literally yeah. like the grip keeper and he sure scared me so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah 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 and so, so I just think that that's something that needs to be addressed too on a podcast that is about mental health is like you shouldn't just yep. throw that word around when someone's no. a little bit different they're not crazy right they're just right. figure out the right word to use they're just different
1: Twitter. than you and that doesn't make them yeah. crazy yeah.
0: yeah
2: and it's sad that that is a word yeah. what it when people have a hard time understanding someone or what they do or what they like that be like, well, I don't like that. So they're crazy or they're not acting the way that society has told me and what I've already conformed to act like. So crazy. It's, 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 it's hard. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a word I am also trying to extract from my vocabulary because it's just become so, it's just a part of our language and our, and our culture yeah. is just to call things mm-hmm. like, oh, that's so crazy or, oh, she's so crazy for doing that wild thing, you know, but I think we yeah. gotta, yeah. we gotta rein that in.
0: <laughs> I agree. Yeah.
1: I agree. But thank you for that note. Cause that is a really good point. Um, speaking of identity going back again, cause that's apparently what I'm doing <laughs> today. Um, I feel like identity is definitely addressed in both beast and Gaston in terms of like you were saying what beast thinks a prince or a king should be should look like should act and gaston and how a, a man should be or should act and i i like okay i have like two thoughts to this one on one hand i like that bell isn't affected by the societal shoulds and that she's very strong in who she is even though she's labeled as like a peculiar weird girl or whatever but i i do kind of wish there was a little bit more development to her character because i feel like mm. she didn't change necessarily throughout the story which again isn't a bad thing because then maybe it is a representation on how being kind and compassionate affects the people around you I don't know but I I do wish there were just like I don't know just a little a little bit a little pinch of something added to her character by the end that we didn't we hadn't seen before because throughout the entire thing she's very kind compassionate and nurturing and that doesn't really ever change I don't know
0: yeah
2: there, there is a song in the Broadway show called "A Change in Me," but it's more about, <laughs> it's more about how like her feelings have changed. Not necessarily like it's a little bit about how she has changed. But yeah, mm. I agree. I would have liked to see that, um, that development in her a little bit more.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So I guess we can talk about uh journeys now. HB, do you have any notes on how this movie or Bell can relate to a fitness journey?
0: I don't about fitness particularly, but I do about body image. And we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier when it comes to like the shame that the beast had. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like there's several bullet points here. And one of them is that there is someone out there for everyone. Um, As much as I like hate to speak in cliches like that, uh, all of these are going to sound like cliches. And you know me, (laughs) I am not. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not one for, I'm not one for like speaking in this way, but I do really think that there are like one, one lesson when it comes to body image in this is that there is someone out there for everyone. Like if someone can fall in love with the beast, who is like this angry monster, um, like, you know, then, then they can fall in love with you. Like there is someone out there for you. But I also think that it's, um, when it comes to looks, I think one of the themes is that beauty comes from within. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is a lesson that is taught at the very beginning from The Witch, where it's like, I might be an ugly witch and you won't let me in, but like, you don't know anything else about me besides that I am an ugly witch, right? And you chose to turn me away for those reasons. So, and I think that theme is carried throughout the movie, just like with Belle falling in love with the Beast and with the Beast falling in love with Belle, even though she is beautiful, he still needed to figure out how to love her right um and the quote that i have to sort of like tie that all together is also at the end of the curse where it's like or or maybe not the curse but at the at the end of the introduction um when the narrator says for who could ever love a beast um and so i think it's i think that's just all really about you know like your looks are not your worth again like we talked about this in snow white and i feel like i bring it up a lot but I, I think that that is a positive message that is sent from this movie, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I was confused about Belle being beautiful and being an outcast or whatever. But I do think that another reason that I connected to this movie was for that reason of, like, them them falling in love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, no, they didn't necessarily need to get married. And to go back to what you were saying earlier, LB, like – I would have been happy if the movie ended just with the curse ending and then just like all everyone changing back. And it's like, yeah. they fell in love, they did the thing. And now every, like that's their happy ending. Um, but I think just like the knowledge that like this love is capable, like you have to go past, you have to go past the image of a person to, to find love. Like yeah, initial attraction might be what gets you there, but like, what is underneath is what is going to keep you there like that's where your happily ever after lies
2: yeah Mm
1: -hmm. that's so sweet that is really cute that That did bring up two thoughts like we've talked about dating apps in this episode i think dating apps make that kind of hard because you kind of only get the superficial stuff first right yeah you see what
2: others want like yeah you put out there what you want others to see not sometimes it's not always necessarily what is true
1: yeah it's not always authentic because it's like oh this is what will get me the, the likes or the match i don't know how those work i'm sorry the <laughs> the matches and the super matches or whatever um but i yeah i just feel like that, that there's so many things that dating apps are helpful for but also make a little bit harder and complicated and i do think that's one of them um but i i do like what you're saying HB about how looks aren't everything because even though Belle is like supposed to be the most beautiful person um inside and out I do think in the same way that she looks beyond beast's exterior to see this like kind person very deep 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 underneath he kind of does the same thing with her I think I don't I mean correct me if I'm wrong I don't remember him ever saying like Oh, she's so beautiful. And like having her looks be the thing that makes him fall in love with her, you know, or like mm-hmm. even spark the interest. It's like her standing up for herself and talking back to him, being kind and compassionate and like cleaning his wounds and bandaging him up. And, and, um, yeah, just, just being kind and having a beautiful personality, I think are the things that make him feel some kind of way toward her because when he's Mm. when they're out in the snow or whatever and he's like i've never felt this way about anyone i i want to believe because i don't want them married at the end i want to believe he doesn't mean love i think he just means like a softness other than rage and impatience (laughs) that he's (laughs) feeling toward her like he's finally seeing an example of what kindness and tenderness looks like especially in in the live action they talk about him having a very cruel and hard father um and his mother died when he was very young. So I think maybe in some kind of way, her being so nurturing, which we could also talk about is like a little much, just would be a mm-hmm. little like, eh. um. but I think her nurturing reminds him of his mother. And it does, because I mean, like in the live action, he scratched out his face and his father's face, but he left the mother's portrait intact. Nope. So he definitely has positive feelings toward his mom. And I think maybe that's another, nice layer i liked about the and the the live action is like another connection that they that he has toward her that they have to to each other um yeah
0: i have something else to add to what you said it's like it's tangential but it's related mm-hmm. um and it is that i think sometimes in these fairy tales something that is negatively um that negatively impacts women specifically is that we think that if we are kind enough and nurturing enough and um, open enough that we can change a man. Yeah. Um, And I think that is a message that is sent over and over and over again that like, if I am just um, this, 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 and this enough, he will fall in love with me or he will change and I Mm -hmm. will be able to change him into the kind, open, like, Um, And I just think that that is a bit of a negative message that we sort of take on. It's definitely one that I have taken on where it's like, I've dated people and I've given them everything and they don't give me anything in return. And in fact, in return, what I get is heartbreak because they are not like what I am giving them is, is not like, they're not willing to change. So I'm still giving everything and Mm -hmm. they're just absorbing it. Right. And they're not reciprocating. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And that is like, and that, that is a pattern that I have come into in my relationships is really seeing like, oh, if I just, if I just do this, 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 and this, then they will fall in love with me because that's what I've yeah. seen is how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, And even in relationships where there is love, you can't expect someone to change. Like if you are in a relationship with someone, you need to be in the relationship with who they are right now. Yep. Yeah. And the expectation of change can't be there you can try to learn and grow together but that has to be something that you're willing to communicate learning and growing together but like if you if there's something fundamentally about someone that you you want to change or need to change that's not your job and i think that Mm -hmm. i think that growing up watching disney and and Belle being a really good example of this is like she was kind and nurturing and she changed the beast into being a, or helped the beast change. I don't want to say she changed him. She helped the beast mm-hmm. recognize the ways in which he can be softer and more mm-hmm. open to love. But that's not always how it works in the real world. And I think we just need to like put that on there too. Yeah.
1: I think that the key words from what you're saying are the difference between change and growth. You can't change yeah. a person, but you can grow yeah. with them. And those are very different mindsets to either enter a relationship or be in a relationship and have a significant other and and stuff and I think that's that's a a really good point there was something else you said oh I think another message we get from society is especially in like heterosexual relationships the woman becomes a mother-ish like figure and it's actually kind of gross that like the expectation Mm -hmm. is for once the person leaves their mother's home and wings or whatever, that the, the person they end up uh, end up with is supposed to cook and clean and, and the man doesn't learn any of those things. And I feel like I feel like now, because our generation is starting to have kids and they're teaching them like, no, 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 no. You are also <laughs> going to contribute because this is your household and she is your partner, not your mother. Um But I do think especially in this time of of the movies that we're talking about as of recently, that was definitely a message of like, you don't need to learn how to do housekeeping and chores and taking care of yourself because you have your mother to do that. And then when you get married, your wife is going to do that, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. just like, "Mm, eh." and I really like that that's not a message as, as strong of a message anymore. I do think that there are some cases in which, but it's, it's starting to fade out, fizzle out. And I'm like, yes, thank God. Cause no, it's gross. And, and I like how they kind of target that head on with Belle and Gaston and him being like, you're going to cook and clean and make babies and for have babies for me. And she's like, absolutely not. No, I'm going to have,
2: I'm going to have magical, you know, talking kitchen aids. Absolutely. That will do that for me. Thanks. Bye. Yes. Thanks. Bye. I have
1: a whole cover of, of, little cups that I can adopt so (laughs) I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and then touch on some healing journey stuff before we get into our favorite characters and themes and quotes and yay um (laughs) there's this quote I think it's like a Russian proverb correct me if I'm wrong this is what happens when I consume too much social media content um but there's a quote (laughs) that says the same boiling water that softens a potato will harden the egg and I think it's just a good it's a good quote to to talk about how we all come out of trials and hardships differently i think gaston and the beast are definitely the egg and bell seems to be the potato it's the best <laughs> potato the, the best <laughs> potato but and and i think this movie too especially in the relationship with bell and beast it's never too late to choose differently or to change like just because you came out of this thing a potato or an egg doesn't or just because you came out of this thing as an egg doesn't mean you can't be a potato. I <clears> a, anyway.
2: I have a series of cosplay videos in my bell, In my bell outfits where I just go in like, I'm a potato.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so I relate to this so much. <laughs> I'm so glad you're understanding what I'm saying because I don't know if everyone's going to, but I hope so. I hope the people who needed to hear it will and they understand and I don't need to go any further into that. So all of that to say, my encouragement, especially when we're talking about post-traumatic growth, and this is like a relatively new concept being researched. Um, I think it like came out in the 90s, which I guess to some people might not be very recent, but that's okay. Um, I first learned about it when I was taking my like coaching certification course, and I'll get into that in a second, but I just want to, I guess, like prelude disclaimer that like we're going to be talking about post-traumatic growth now so my encouragement would be you know to not let those hardships turn you cruel and that's not to say like oh you have to be positive like that's we're not we're not about toxic positivity here talked about that a lot but I think it's maybe to find a silver lining in the both ends like yes this very hard hurtful thing happened to me and it hurt and I also choose to have it shape me for the better And you don't have to turn everything into a positive. I'll just throw it out there too. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. things just suck and they can just suck. And that's kind of the period of life I'm in right now where everything just kind of sucks and that's okay. Um, Mood, Mood. yes. The the (laughs) rain brings the rainbow. Anyway, I, I think, you know, as long as, as long as you're happy with the life you're living and you are doing what's within your power to make it a life you love and be a person you respect. I think that's all that really, that really matters. Um, so post-traumatic growth, like I said, is a theory that was developed in the 1990s. Um, and it, it is, it, (laughs) it says that people who face adversity can often find positive growth afterwards. And I think that can be really encouraging I think, you, I think it depends on where in your journey you are for that to feel okay and acceptable because I think depending on where you are, it can look a little too toxic positivity-ish. Um, but I will say, according to the research done, they have found like five different phases of growth. And that includes new possibilities or like the hope that new possibilities can happen, um, relating to others on a different or deeper level, finding personal strength, um, spiritual change even, and then like a deeper appreciation for life. And when I was going through my coaching certification, they also had a little like important reminders. And so I would like to offer them to you listeners now. Um, so the first one is that trauma is magnetic and it takes hard work every day to not be consumed by it. So if you are on a healing journey or any kind of personal development, de- personal development, self-healing journey, mental health, journey whatever it may be and you're tired it makes sense and that doesn't mean you're weak it doesn't mean you're not doing things right it doesn't mean you're not trying hard enough it just means that it is like an every day every minute thing that we have to be conscious of especially if we have activations and triggers and reactions like like beast and rage you know and anger it takes a lot of conscious effort to change the subconscious so if you're tired, it's okay. You make sense and and you got this. Keep going. Um, and also realize that it takes time for the brain and body to recover after being flooded with stress hormones. I think they're saying it takes up to 26 hours or more. So if you have a very stressful situation day and you're flooded with the cortisol and the adrenaline and all of those stress hormones, it takes 26 hours or more to kind of recover from that. That's like, that's more than a day you know? So like if something happens and you're winded the next day and you're like, God, why am I so tired? Why am I not? I had like all these plans and now I can't do it. And I just want to lay in bed all day. You also make sense. Um, Some other like reminders or encouragements would be discover what brings you back into the present moment and anchors you in the here and now. This is something I feel like I talk a lot about in almost every episode that sometimes when things happen in the present, we view them from a lens in the past and that, cannot always be helpful. I will say that it's your brain trying to help because it's like, oh, this situation feels like something I remember from way back here, and this is how you responded to get through it. And sometimes it doesn't always match up. So just be mindful of that. Um, The more grounded and present you are helps with clear thinking and emotional regulation. Again, that's just about being in the here and now. Um, When you manage your activation levels or arousal levels whatever word you like to use you can feel more in control um I think that's something we see with beast well he's also being encouraged by his little furniture friends of them being (laughs) like you need to control your temper and he's like but she's being difficult (laughs) (laughs) but he's trying um so I think that that's a fun little representation or a moment that I I was like oh that's him trying to To calm down. Anyway, when things become too disturbing, use your prepared and practice list of available grounding and centering tools. And I think the key word there is like prepared and practice. I think I mentioned this in another episode that, like, when you're dealing with triggers and activations, trying to work through them is like trying to learn how to swim in the middle of a hurricane. It's It can be, I don't want to say it is, but it can be easier when we are doing breath work or or grounding practices when we are regulated to kind of like lock it in the subconscious so that when we are going through those moments of like, oh shit, I'm feeling triggered. What do I do? It's much easier to go into like, okay, let me. Take a breath. Let me ground. Versus, like, oh, my usual at my usual response is flight, and I'm gonna run away anyway. Create and call upon your safe people who positively support you. I think this is what I really like about their relationship. They have there are some issues, but I do like that we see healing on Beast's part in like in relation with Bell. It's not so much that she heals him. But she helps him heal, kind of like what you were saying, A to B. Like she doesn't change him, but she helps him grow by oh, yeah. being by being kind and compassionate and her authentic self. Um oh, and then going back to the prepared and practice list, the reason why is because when you're activated your prefrontal cortex goes offline. That was a little note I made and I forgot to mention it. So I'm gonna tack that on <laughs> after. Um practice some self-compassion and self-regulation slash soothing. I feel like while we don't necessarily see this with Beast, I feel like if they had made a sequel, like I think Belle would have taught him some good (laughs) self-regulation and grounding techniques and also like would have taught him about self-compassion. I don't know if there were any self-help books in his little, uh, (laughs) <laughs> library well his big library but I think that I was say,
2: that's a that ain't a little uh, library no, that's not a, a little big library. library that
1: is the library every
2: bookish nerds dream every
1: every dream oh my gosh and then the last thing is just focus on what you want and the ways you can keep moving toward your own wellness and I like the the wording here of the ways you can keep moving not the ways you think you should or what's beyond your capacity and capability and outside of your uh, outside of your comfort zone and your window of tolerance, but what feels safe and doable right now, mm-hmm. and that's that's it, <laughs> that's it. As I went on like a ten minute spiel, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good spiel, though.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes people do need tangible things, and like these are all very tangible things that you can do if you are experiencing something like this. You know. Yeah. I think Absolutely. because there isn't like such a
1: there isn't a blueprint on the healing journey. There are no like step-by-step lists and, and guides. I think just having a few of these things as like a framework for your own journey can be helpful, just like to keep you accountable, keep you on track, keep you keep you focused on why you're doing what you're doing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um Lindley, yeah. what is your favorite quote from the movie
2: um oh it's gonna be so silly the one that just immediately comes to my head is if it's not baroque fix it (laughs) (laughs) because i am a sucker for a good aesthetic and i understand where cogsworth is coming from
1: (laughs) (laughs) he Um, he is very funny i like him a lot i love
2: i love cogsworth trying to think of like any just basically the all of the bell reprise is just all my favorite quote <laughs> but for some reason the baroque gets me every single not not baroque, time it is It's not
1: Baroque. Fix it. who's your favorite character
2: i i mean the easiest answer is bell just because she's always been she's been such an important character to me throughout the years but besides yeah. bell i have to go with mrs potts oh I, yeah i Adore Mrs. Potts she's so lovely she's so caring and nurturing and she's Angela Lansbury yeah, yeah. you can you yeah. can't get better than that
0: oh, yeah that's a good what, point
2: what about y'all what what's favorite characters
0: and quotes um mine is also probably Mrs. Potts if we had to go outside of bell um and one of my favorite quotes is really dumb, also a very silly one. Um, but it is when Gaston says, "I've been thinking," and then, or no, does Gaston say, "I've been thinking," and someone says, "A dangerous, a dangerous pastime." Past I know. says that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. So it's the beginning of
2: of his song, right? Like yeah. that's a daily quote for me, my friend. Like she'd be like, "I've been thinking, dangerous pastime." I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny it was one that I hadn't like picked up on before I was like oh (laughs) that's (laughs) um yeah I got I'm a sucker for a good villain song so no surprise that that's one of my favorite quotes (laughs) it's what Alan Menken does best truly like oh truly
1: um side note did so I don't know if you've seen the live action Little Mermaid yet, Lindley. I don't want to. Yes. Okay. It, oh, perfect. it's so good. Oh my God. So Hallie good. is the and perfect Ariel. Chef's kiss. Like I, I literally could not picture anyone else. So no. amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. They changed some of the lyrics um, and they're very subtle changes. And I really like them. And I'm wondering, because I don't know off the top of my head, if they did the same thing for the animated to live action, other than adding songs, adding really good songs like Evermore. Oh. Love it. Oh my gosh. I, am so- I
2: I will defend Evermore. I know a lot of people are upset that they didn't pull in If I Can't Love Her from the Broadway version, which mm. I- I'm a little sad that a lot of the Broadway versions of these properties and shows aren't making their way into the live action. In the live action, in the background, you do hear the orchestral of home which is a beautiful song that Belle has in the stage version about her feelings about being imprisoned here. Mm. Um, If you haven't listened to home from the beauty and the beast, go listen to it. Um, I don't know. I feel like. Ooh. I feel like there are some
1: changes I'll have to look it up and then we can we can I'll look it up and then we can talk about it in our bonus episode on Patreon where we break down the music from these these movies. Yeah. Um yeah.
2: also shout out to Madame Lagarderobe, unsung yeah. hero yes. of this movie. Also shout out to Audrey McDonald who played her in the movie and the movie was all better for it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about that when I was watching the live action this morning. I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, I, too, my favorite character in the animated is probably Belle. I mean, how can you not? She's probably, like, the best character in that one, other than Mrs. Potts, because who doesn't want just a kind, nurturing mama to pour you tea? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't actually have a quote. Um, Not that this movie isn't quotable, but I feel like this is the first time where I'm like, I don't know i just kind of like i kind of liked all of it i don't feel like there was necessarily a quote that really stood out to me there are a lot of funny ones so like in the live action um lefou might actually be my favorite character because he's just so Ooh. like funny and sassy and i like the 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 pivot that they made with his character where he starts to question gaston Yeah. um and he's like hey maybe this isn't okay but i do like in the beginning when gaston is trying to pursue Belle and he Gaston says something like, or no, sorry. LeFou says something like, um, well, she's so well-read and you're more athletically inclined. inclined. <laughs> he's so nice about it, but he's like, hmm. even <laughs> from the beginning, he's like, maybe, maybe not. Whereas in the animated, I feel like LeFou is like, yeah, you're my buddy. And any woman who doesn't want you is a, you know, he's just doing like the typical yeah. friend yeah. hype of thing. Um, But I, I think my favorite quote in the live action from LeFou is, when Gaston says she hasn't made a fool of herself to gain my favor what would you call that and lafu goes dignity
0: <laughs> <laughs> no lafu is like really a funny. great friend like get your yeah. friend like lafu like even if like the whole song Gaston is because lafu is like trying to pump him up and be like yeah don't be sad buddy
1: you Yeah. do
0: Anything. look at how amazing
1: you are anytime you know that's gonna be my my new goal anytime my friends are feeling down I'm gonna I'm gonna sing about how amazing they are No
0: one, and then just make up things that are like about them yeah yeah exactly there we go I love it, I love uh,
1: it.
2: let's get Josh Gad on the phone be like hey can you help me hype up my friend is he see on cameo
1: song? like hey <laughs>
2: That would be amazing if he That'd was. Be really
0: funny. Before mm-hmm. we wrap up, does does anyone have any more hot takes that we like I know we've talked about a couple. Ooh. We talked Stockholm Syndrome and apparently we talked the hot take that that this is this that the that, that the prince is, is Lindley's is the hottest he Disney was prince. Hot. <laughs> um Not good. They if they had there? made
1: if they had made a live action in the nineties, I bet Brendan Fraser would have been the prince. So he... He
2: was supposed to be a prince in another movie. Really? I just recently found this out, and it's my favorite piece of trivia. So, there was a little musical called Into the Woods, and sure. it got made into a movie in like yes. the, like 2010, I, I forgot mm-hmm, when it was. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to make a movie of, they've been trying to get an Into the Woods movie made for a long time, and apparently... There was a time where Brendan Fraser was being considered for Rapunzel's prince. Can you imagine him singing Agony? It's my, just picturing it is my favorite thing. That would wow. have been
1: so amazing.
2: Uh, wow. It completely blew my mind. <sighs> um, My one hot take. I feel like it's not that much of a hot take, but this is coming from a costuming nerd sure uh the live action movie y'all bell's yellow dress <laughs> <laughs> it's not great like the and- tool sleeves <laughs> the and that and like i like the 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 different layers of it but it's just it something is not there, and I think it's because we're given all of these amazing like garb de la robes and mm. just these like eighteenth century costumes from like Madame la Garde robe and from the ball scene. Why couldn't Belle have been in a gown like that?
1: That is a good point to make it, it does more kind of look like a costume like when Haley steinfeld was at the was it the oscars or something and she's like mtv movie awards oh the mtv music awards and she's just wearing a yellow dress and i'm like yeah that's i see what you mean yeah yeah i mean it could have been better and i know there
2: was a whole thing about how emma uh emma watson refused to wear like corsetry yeah uh in the which It's a whole rant on corsetry, but at the time, they wouldn't have been wearing corsets. They would have been stays, and stays at the time wouldn't have been tight-laced. So basically, she was just like, I'm not going to wear it because the patriarchy would be like, that's not what stays were about. (laughs) They were just bras. (laughs) So seeing the dress and be like, that could have used a little more structure, and you know what would have helped with structure... days (laughs)
1: days <laughs>
2: days
1: oh Damn. I never thought my- about that
2: mm-hmm. yeah so my hot take is just like
1: it could have been better we could have had a better dress fair my hot All take right. from the live action is they're in France why do they have British accents <laughs> <laughs> like everyone in the castle well Lumiere specifically has yeah. and the, the feather plumet they have french accents
2: but nobody else
1: but emma it's the,
2: yeah it's the phantom of the opera thing where the only person in the whole movie with a french accent is madame
1: sherry everybody else is either american
2: <laughs> or british there's <laughs> no. no consistency whatsoever
1: i did because then i was <laughs> like oh well i know that like bell and her father are from a different place and they've like moved into this village but they're from Paris. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is the Paris of my childhood where we all talk like british people.
0: There you go. Yeah. My my <laughs> hot take is that like halfway through the movie I was like Gaston isn't like he sucks and he's an asshole but he's like not a villain. And then once we got to the point where it was like oh he's going to put her dad in an insane asylum and then also Um, murder the beast just for existing I was like okay I see it now however I think my hot take is the same as every hot take I've ever had about all the villains who have died is that I don't think he needed to die yeah he also could have grown yeah yeah I don't think he needed to fall to his death and I think that about pretty much every time we've talked about this it's like the villains they a lot of the villains have died and it's like I'd rather just like See them be punished for being bad, and then see them make a change or something. Like, um, but I did, yeah. I did, yeah. Hear, like, Hans. yeah, exactly. But like, I did hear that there is a, a um, there is a fiction novel called G. I think it's called G. It might be called something else. I'll have to look it up. But it is written from the perspective of if Gaston fell to his death, or fell but didn't die, and then like floated up a river and wound up somewhere out like in a different village and like and lived his life there there's like a Ooh. i don't know anything else about it i saw it on tiktok hmm. and i'm pretty sure it's just called g but it's like the, it's like gaston's story after the story i've never heard of that
2: yeah there's a, there are some interesting. very interesting like beauty and the beast like fictions yeah. out there especially ones that are like licensed by disney there's mm-hmm. one that's called i think the beast within where gaston and the prince were friends
0: mm. before the
2: enchantment and then there is another one that I have that I haven't finished called Rebel Rose, where it takes place after Beauty and the Beast, or after the events of the movie, but it's set in like real life France at the time, huh. so the French Revolution was is about to happen. Oh, so it's it's a little I haven't finished it yet, but it's like oh oh no,
1: wow, oh, this is not good. Yeah. That is <laughs> That is interesting. Because, yeah, I know there's like, like Disney has their own series of books that are kind of like, what if, like, I have the <laughs> Mulan one that's like, what if Mulan didn't save Shang or something? There was, yeah, and then like Ariel, and there's, I want the Meg one that's like, what if Meg didn't save Hercules or something? Ooh. Or what if he, what if he did become a god? And then it's like Meg's journey in trying to become a goddess herself to join him on Olympus. Ooh, or something like that. Anyway, yeah, that's interesting. I do, I do think it's interesting. Kind of like with Cinderella, we get a lot of like different iterations and and stories that are that have the framework of Beauty and the Beast. Um, and I think the main message and story is that like beauty comes from within, just like you were saying, HB. know I think my only note that we didn't really touch on, um, is how do I say this? Belle's weakness we've talked a lot about how much we we like her and some good things but Mm -hmm. I do think her weakness is taking care of everyone um especially with like her father and then beast because it it kind of seems like after her mother they never really address it in the animated home we don't really know what happens to her mom
2: no I know there's like a portrait of her mother at like at Disney World
1: but they never really say like what happened to her Hmm. interesting um, I I think it's interesting that she kind of adopts the role of a caretaker, and I also kind of wonder if that's the reason why she's not necessarily attracted to Gaston. Is that mm-hmm. other than the fact that he's a complete sexist asshole, he seems a little bit more self sufficient, and he doesn't actually need anyone to take care of him, or as like her father kind of needed taking care of, and um, so did. To- beast in some kind of way you know and I think there was a little bit of her kind and nurturing self that may have leaned into this like parentified childish role like I don't know I think that's kind of hmm
0: I don't know if yeah. I agree with that because I feel like Gaston wants to be taken care of even if though he can and she's mm-hmm. like pushing that away of like I don't want to stay home and make babies and take care of you and do all of those things like yeah
1: that's fair like she yeah. talks
2: about like wanting to go out and like experience a life other than what is expected of her
1: yeah this is true this is yeah. true plague
2: plague <laughs> uh in the live action version you do <laughs> see where her mother had the plague <laughs> and that is yeah. why they left like they left Paris because their her mom had the plague, so Bell wouldn't get the plague.
0: Wow, there we go. Yeah,
1: yes, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's okay. I love that plague. 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 <laughs> other than that, nope. I don't have any other notes, thoughts, or feelings. I'm good too.
2: It's a good Yay. old fairy tale about lo- loving yourself and being
1: kind to others. Yeah, and accepting love from other people. Yes, as much as as much as you as much as you should love but you must also be loved anyway yeah. okay even
2: if you think you don't deserve it
0: mm-hmm. Yes.
2: because you yeah. do mm-hmm. you do
1: um well thanks everybody for listening to this episode you can find us on instagram we have a tiktok now i don't know if you've ever mentioned that we have tiktok um you can follow us on tiktok you can email us And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on our first episode back from summer break. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mental Health Multiverse podcast and for spending time with us, HB and LB. Special shout out to our musical composer, Little HB.
1: If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating and review, or become an exclusive Patreon member to see bonus and additional content.
0: To stay up to date on all things MHM, you can follow us on Instagram at HeatherBodie and at LittleBint underscore not broken or subscribe to our YouTube channel to see our faces and watch some fun bloopers. You can find all of these links in the show notes.
1: Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.